0: Many people are impressed by Bethune Cookman's recruiting class, but if you know Raymond Woody's history, this really is no surprise. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for going on this journey with me, Megan Locked on HBCU, your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over, just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S and ends with an S. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. We wrap up today's episode with a highlight. We wanted to do the national players of the week, but I couldn't find them this week. I don't know what happened, but I was able to find the SWAC players of the week. So we'll roll roll with that, excuse me. Before that, we'll be looking at Norfolk State versus North Carolina Central, which happened this past Sunday. This was a matchup of Kings, and I cannot wait for the rematch. But prior to this, Bethune Cookman, the one you've been waiting on. Drum roll, please. That's a weak drum roll. Drum roll, please. I'm having fun with having this handheld microphone. Hopefully, that sounded good. I'll go back and listen to it and post. But Bethune Cookman has a pretty solid recruiting class. They have one that people are excited about this upcoming year. And I feel like if you know Raymond Woody, this is no surprise. This is what I expected him to do in a way I view this as Raymond Woody's true beginning as Bethune Cookman's head coach and I understand that he was the coach last season technically that was his first year but there was Woody's a recruiter and he wasn't able to recruit his guys going into that season, so it's very difficult for me to consider that his first year. Now I would hold that same kind of a grace period to most coaches, but especially a guy who is known for recruiting. This is what he does as a specialty. One of the guys that he recruited this offseason was his son, right? and I don't know why I said son with such a a sympathetic, oh, type of tone, but he recruited his son to play ball for him in his last year of eligibility at Bethune-Cookman. His son also went to college at Florida State where Raymond Woody, Coach Woody, because they're both Raymond Woody, Coach Woody was a coach. I don't think it's a coincidence, right? So I would assume that, If given the opportunity, Coach Woody probably would have brought young Woody to Bethune-Cookman in his first year, but he wasn't able to because Coach Woody was hired February 6th, 2023. National signing day was February 1st, 2023. So he was hired five days after recruiting. Now, even if he was hired five days before, it wouldn't have made that much of a difference. It's more so the fact that he was close to, but especially since he was after Recruiting or signing day. That doesn't give him the opportunity to do what he does best, which is team building, team filling out the roster. He doesn't get the ability to do that when he's brought in after signing day. So now you get into his first early signing day, which is the December period, and he has a good recruiting class. Now, you know, I'm not much for recruitment. That's not my forte. It's not something that I really spend a lot of my time diving into that's not the part of the business that's top two on my list, right? Like, like that's just not it, but I hear how people reacted to it. I hear the, the reaction, the impression that it made on folks. And I'm not really surprised that he brought in a recruiting class that was able to make that impression. So Woody brought in seven FBS transfers, you had Dallas Corbett, Defensive end from Central Florida. Sean Russ Jr., defensive back from Arizona State. His son, uh, Raymond Woody third defensive back from California. And then Oren Patu, a linebacker from Arizona. All four of those guys were four-star players coming out of high school. Then you have Courtney Reese, a running back from UNLV. And Trey Porter, a linebacker from Colorado State both of those guys were three stars and you have lorenzo jenkins wide receiver from pittsburgh that's seven fbs transfers and i understand why people are excited and that's really all that recruiting is recruiting is all about generating excitement because especially when you're bringing in transfers it's hard to know exactly what you're getting right so I don't judge a recruiting class of, oh, I think this person gonna do this. This is how I typically judge a recruiting class. Did you fill your holes? Yes? Okay. Really, that's it. <laughs> I was going to add an extra thing to make myself sound better. I just want to know, did you fill the voids you felt you had on your team? That's what I care about more so than the player, not because it's more important than the player, but because to me it's such a variable when you're looking at that that's just that's just how i view it personally unless i know the player if i know who the player is or i've heard something about the player then i can be excited but most times it's about filling the voids but the fact that he had seven fbs to fcs transfers is nice and it's a solid addition and this is only since that was at december 30th i think it might have been somebody since then that i'm just forgetting but this is a guy who has built his his Reputation on recruiting. This is what I expected him to do. um I will say it was a bit surprising that I saw him get this recruiting going so fast because Bethune Cookman really didn't have any success last year. They won two out of the last three games. They lost to FAMU in a season finale, but they lost the two games or won their two games prior to that. Maybe that was a selling point. We're turning things around. I'm I'm not sure, but Bethune Cookman is doing this coming off of a three and eight record. If they can start to build, if they can get to maybe a 5-6, and a 6-5, and if Bethune-Cookman comes out of this year with a winning record, their recruiting class in 2025 is going to be ridiculous because that's how good Raymond Woody is. For him to be able to bring these guys in after a, a pretty bad season and still be able to sell them on what he can do for them, that tells you what kind of recruiter that the man is. Now, as we move forward, no need to recruit here. I already want to go to the Norfolk State versus North Carolina Central rematch. Matter of fact, I can't wait for it because the first one out there in Durham was built. It was like a battle for the Kings all the way down from environment to the actual play on the court. Let's dive into this because I don't want any more prologue as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. And Game Time is the place for all of your last-minute tickets. Now, it doesn't matter if you want to go to the local football game. There's playoffs this weekend, right? It's Friday. So you only got one day, depending on where you are, right? Let's say you're in Kansas City, and you want to go to this Kansas City versus Miami game. You only have a day. But it's okay, because you can go to Game Time and get those tickets for you. All you have to do is go to game or download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on that'll get you twenty dollars off your first purchase use the code locked on and get twenty dollars off your first purchase sporting events concerts movie uh excuse me uh plays comedy shows everything in between go to game time and view what's going on locally for you Game time use the code locked on. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen, make sure you're checking out the first of its kind 24-7 sports network on YouTube. Locked on sports today. No matter what time you're checking it out, it'll always have something live for you to watch. Now, North Carolina Central versus Norfolk state was a game. It was a battle. Really? It was a battle of Kings. It was a battle of two teams trying to fight for supremacy. And honestly, I can't wait for the for the rematch. And when I say that this is a battle of Kings, it may seem a tad bit premature. It may seem a tad bit excessive or hyperbole or hyperbolic, I should say. But when you watch prior to the game, prior to the game, first and foremost, looking at records, when you're looking at records, these are the only two teams in the conference with 10 wins at the time, North Carolina central had nine, but because they came up victorious, they now have 10. These are the two best records in the conference. When you look at the arena, it was packed. They had the the video board out showing the people in the crowd. I don't know how a regular North Carolina central game is, but for me, that was something that was rare because we didn't have a video board at TSU. We just didn't. Right. So, they packed out, whole place filled. They're extremely engaged, right? And you see it after the game on social media where they're heckling some of the North, Norfolk State people. But it was during the game, too. You could tell just how, from the crowd, how much this meant for them to come up with the W. Now, those are just things that happen before the 40 minutes, right, in a little bit of the, the crowd during the game. But that's at the beginning, before it gets intense, Then once you start playing, there's a certain physicality that came with this game. And I know the cliche goes that playoff basketball, things get more physical. This felt like playoff basketball due to the physicality. And it was reflected in the score. 60 to 58 was the final. North Carolina Central comes up victorious. But especially early in this game, Points were difficult to come by. in In the the defense was really good. The hands was really good. Were really good. So Norfolk State got it going about halfway through the first half. North Carolina Central took about three quarters of the way through the first half before they finally started putting things together. But the commonality between both teams creating offense was the ability to get into the paint. When neither team could get into the paint. It was hard to get offense going, and Norfolk State hitting their stride allowed them to have a 34-point first half. North Carolina Central getting that stride at the very end allowed them to hit 29. It was important because you only win by two, right? And it's not like points ever started getting easier. At no point was it easy to score the ball. It's just about could you get into the paint. And once you got into the paint, then you could kick it out, Threes weren't prevalent, especially not for Norfolk State. Uh, Norfolk State made one of 16, I believe. Or was it zero of 16? It, it, was, it was a very small number. It was either one or none. And they took double digits, about 15, give or take. They just didn't shoot the ball well. They just did not shoot the ball well. And when you have low-scoring games, you have bad offense or you have good defense. It's one of the two. Maybe a mix of the two, but it's definitely one of the two. This was good defense. This was active hands creating turnovers. This was good shot contest. There was multiple times that they would get offensive rebounds. When you look at it, let's see, I have it written down on who had. So you had 13 and 14 offensive rebounds. So 27 offensive rebounds in this game, but it's still the offensive rebounds didn't lead to much. Could it just kept being met by good defense, right? And neither team scored well from outside, whether that was outside the paint or outside the three-point line. It just was, it wasn't a good day for them. It just was not a good day. But I chalked it up to North Carolina Central specifically being able to stuff the paint once they realized what Norfolk was doing. It was clear. No one was shooting well. Like, that was obvious. So now you got to go inside. and. North Carolina Central was able to make sure that paint the paint was always filled with somebody. Whether it was a rotating defender, whether it was somebody who was already guarding, there was always help. So nothing came easily. Um overall Oh, there you go. This is nothing I want to point out as far as offense goes. North North Carolina Central scored 8 points in the first 11 and a half minutes. Once they started to get into the paint, then it, it was it was almost like both teams, whenever they found something, they found it for an extended period of time. It was very rare that an offense found something and moved on, right? It was, we found it, let's keep hammering it, and we continue to succeed at this as well. Once they found that and hit that switch, they went from scoring eight points in the first 11 and a half to scoring 21 in the last eight and a half. So it's a drastically different outcome once you were able to get inside the paint. Then you have poor King who dropped 17, a big time three. And he was probably the first person. He wasn't the leading scorer for the team. That was Jadarius Harris. But he was the first person with the Eagles that I realized got into the paint. They might have gotten to the paint before that. I don't know. But he had a euro step kind of floater or a runner. And it was close to the paint if it wasn't already there. But that was the first time that I saw North Carolina Central actually penetrate the defense. So I I I would say that he probably stuck out more than anybody else because he would make timely plays. Jadarius Harris he kept having his points, but it felt like King made timely plays. When North Carolina Central needed something, King was the person who was there. That's how I felt about it. Um, but I want to move forward and look at the swack because I've been looking at the Miac all week, basketball-wise. We haven't talked about a lick of, of swack hoops at all, all week. We got to fix that, even if it's the last segment of the week as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And go to fanduel.com slash locked on to make every moment more. If you're new to FanDuel, and you put down a $5 money line bet, you get $150 back in bonus bets. It's that simple. Win or lose. Win or lose. Win or lose. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Put down a $5 money line bet, and you get $150 back in bonus bets. Now, playoffs start tomorrow. Playoffs start tomorrow. We got the Chiefs versus the Dolphins. You got... The Cowboys versus, who are they playing? Who's the 17? Green Bay. You got Detroit versus Los Angeles Rams, right? You got you got the Bills versus the Steelers. Great games. They're even greater when you put down $5 and you get $150 back in bonus bets because ain't no such thing as losing. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on and make every moment more. As wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, making it all the way to segment three, trois. thank you two times for that. Now, typically, I want to try to make it a thing where we look at the national players of the week, but I wasn't able to find that in prep for this show. And also, I realized we hadn't talked any swack hoops all year. I mean, all week. We talked about Zay Green and UAPB Women's Basketball at the end of last week on Friday. But since then, we haven't really discussed much SWAC basketball, which is okay because we've discussed swack coaching and swack recruiting classes. Like the thumbnail, the thumbnail would told would tell you that's all we spoke about all week. Now every day you know that's not the case you know that the thumbnail is not all that the show is about but it hasn't been about swag hoops at all that's one thing that no matter if you're looking at the 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 singles or if you're looking at the the b-side cuts that hasn't been there and i'm gonna rectify that i'm a swag guy but hoop hoops been crazy whether that be norfolk state women's basketball north carolina central versus norfolk state men's basketball uh North Carolina Central, well, really, that's the two. That's actually the two schools we've really been talking about. As I think about it, it's been Norfolk State women's basketball twice. It's been North Carolina Central men's basketball twice, once against Howard and once against Norfolk State men's back. Like, yeah. So, but those were the prominent things. Those are the ones that caught my eye. So those are the ones that we looked at. But right now, I want to take an opportunity to not review or preview, but to just highlight the two SWAC players of the week. You had Deshaun Dyson from Bethune-Cookman, and then you also had Lorenzo Downey from Alabama A&M, who were the players of the week. And they couldn't be much different. They couldn't be uh, more different, excuse me. When you look at Downey, he's not typically a scorer. The fact that he scored double digits in this game, I, I say it is surprising. The fact that he scored double digits is rare. It's only the second time he had done it all year. Meanwhile, Dyson is one of the better scorers in the conference. And let's look at Downey first because he caught fire from three in the second game. He played two games that were able to make this up. Meanwhile, Dyson only played one. Um, let's see. Actually, oh, I ain't got my phone on me right now. I could tell you, I could tell you what the score of, of those games are. Cause I think bethune Cookman played today, but um when you look at Alabama A&M and what Downey was able to do, he shot four or six from the field, 14 points, got two points from the line. So he went two or two from, from the stripe. But then also four of six, every single shot he took was a three-pointer in this game. And that's not often for him. That's not That is not something that is common. That's something that he rarely does. But he shot the ball really well. So he ended up shooting, what, 66% from three, which translates to also 66% from the field. But... Um call fire from three really was able to, to light it up. But you look at the game before, because he had two games, he ain't had that many points, but he had 13 rebounds. So drastically different games. When you look at what he does versus what what uh Dyson does, they're different. But then when you just look at what Downey did in the two games he played, one he was a, a scorer, and then the other he was just more of a rebound uh um threat rebounding threat so drastically different on each game ended up averaging 11 points and 9 rebounds so almost a double double and also undefeated for the bulldogs 2 and 0 then you look at dyson who like i said he's a scorer 30 points was a career high for him so he had more points than he had ever had lines up with who he is but then also you look at the ability to Add an extra dynamic to his game, and he had more assists than he had had all season. Though it was only five, like like this is what he he's a scorer. Five of eleven from three. Compare that to four of six. Not many more makes, but five of eleven from three is pretty solid. You're shooting a little bit under fifty percent. You also way more active. He took twenty two shots in that game way more active right you can mind the last two maybe three games for down and he ain't taking 22 shots these are drastically different players so it was nice to see them both be highlighted because i couldn't really say the same thing about them sometimes you have players who you highlight and it's like your game is very similar you just had different numbers you took three uh or you made three threes instead of four threes you had 12 versus 14 like it's just it's minor i know those aren't drastically big numbers that i'm throwing out there but that's how sometimes people are so similar so that, that those are our swag players of the week we'll try to get into some more swag play next week on the show i'm not quite sure but we'll figure it out i'm a swag guy so of course, I want to get some SWAT conversations in there a little bit more. but I, I just gotta figure it out. I'm trying to get accustomed to this whole groove of basketball season. It's not easy because you have the TSU um, you have the TSU board meetings. then you also have like their their coaching search. you have famU with their alumni meetings and then their coaching search. so i'm um we haven't put basketball in the forefront yet because so much is still going on with football. That we probably didn't expect to be the case at this point. But nevertheless, we will start getting into basketball season and it'll be different. I don't know how the show's gonna change, but it will change because we'll be more basketball-centric. We won't just be having football topics all the time. And I will get basketball its proper due, its proper shine. But that'll be next week. But who knows? Actually, I think next week's gonna lead off with fingers crossed, TSU hiring a coach. They have another board meeting on January 12th. And unless something despicable comes out of it i don't plan on talking about it unless it's a coach so we'll see (laughs) but in the meantime in between time i appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day you can catch me on twitter at south exclusives it starts with an s and ends with an s until next time that we hear each other family take care stay blessed peace